Hello and welcome to the Top Story, a podcast that brings you the headlines of the day with the help of our correspondents from around the world. I'm Tianyu. Coming up in this edition, NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg says Turkey has agreed to support Sweden's bid to join the alliance. The World Meteorological Organization says the beginning of July was the hottest week on record for the planet. And Ethiopia has hosted an East African regional summit to discuss the conflict in Sudan. Starting in Europe, Sweden is one step closer to becoming a member of NATO as Turkey agrees to support the Nordic countries' membership. NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg made the announcement after a meeting between Turkey and Sweden ahead of the alliance summit in Lithuania. In turn, Sweden will back Turkey's efforts to become a member of the European Union. Mihal Bardavid reports from Turkey. After months of negotiations, NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg was able to give the news that many NATO member countries have been waiting for. Ankara is set to support Sweden's membership bid to the military alliance. Stoltenberg made the announcement on Monday following a meeting between Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan and Swedish Prime Minister Ulf Kristersson in Vilnius. I'm glad to announce that as a result, President Erdogan has agreed to forward the accession protocol for Sweden to the Grand National Assembly as soon as possible and work closely with the Assembly to ensure ratification. The parties announced that they had agreed on a new bilateral security compact that would meet annually at a ministerial level. Stoltenberg stated that NATO would also establish for the first time a post of special coordinator for counter-terrorism. Ankara had accused Sweden of harboring members of militant groups and has criticized Stockholm for allowing anti-Turkish protests to take place in Sweden. However, Sweden has insisted that it had fulfilled all of Ankara's demands under a trilateral agreement signed with Turkey and Finland since last year, including an introduction of a new anti-terror bill. On Monday, hours before the meeting, President Erdogan suggested Ankara would only ratify Sweden if the EU opened Turkey's membership path. In the joint statement, Sweden has pledged to actively support efforts to reinvigorate Turkey's EU accession process. That was Mihal Bardavid reporting. In North America, weather forecasters say over 50 million people in the southern United States will endure high temperatures this week as a heat wave builds up. The U.S. was hit by extreme weather on Monday from torrential downpours in the northeast to sweltering heat in the south. Tony Waterman has more. Heavy rainfall unleashing life-threatening flash flooding in New York on Sunday. The National Weather Service says up to eight inches fell in parts of the Hudson Valley. While in other parts of Orange County, New York, roads, cars and homes Look at the people's doors! disappeared underwater. Throughout the county, we have flooding situations and emergency calls. If you do not need to be on the road, stay off the road. Officials say at least one woman was killed after being swept away in rapid floodwaters, and several more are missing after a house was swept downstream. Governor Kathy Hochul declaring a state of emergency as New York braces for another round of heavy rainfall. The same storm also pounded parts of Pennsylvania, cars trapped and abandoned on the highway. 
More rain is expected across the Northeast with flood alerts issued for parts of New York, Vermont, Massachusetts and Maine. But here in the South, people are bracing for a different kind of extreme weather. Temperatures are once again climbing and could hit record breaking highs. More than 30 million people are under some kind of heat alert across the U.S. The National Weather Service warning that parts of Arizona could hit 120 degrees Fahrenheit or 49 Celsius this week, while the city of El Paso, Texas hit its 24th consecutive day of triple digit temperatures on Sunday. A record meteorologists expect to be broken repeatedly in the coming two weeks creating potentially life-threatening illness. We start having confusion, uh, delirium as we call it, um, as well as um, loss of consciousness um, and more severe brain injury um, as a result of the effects of heat. Heat waves in the south flash floods in the north, and America's record-breaking summer isn't even half over yet. That was Tony Waterman reporting. In Africa, parts of the southern hemisphere are also experiencing unusual weather. A rare snowfall has descended on Johannesburg and other parts of South Africa. Residents have welcomed the city's first snow in more than 10 years, but meteorologists are warning of low temperatures. Joey Kiruki Juma has more. Johannesburg city residents woke up to a sight that's rarely seen at this time of the year in South Africa. The weatherman says the last time this phenomenon was witnessed here was in 2012. Putzelotso Mofokeng, a senior forecaster at the South African Weather Service, says the snow was reported across southern parts of Johannesburg's Gauteng province. It also hit high-lying areas of the Eastern Cape and KwaZulu-Natal provinces. It's been such a long time. I feel so happy and hope that it's going to get warmer after this. An amazing day in South Africa. Just lovely to see the snow go, although we're freezing. It feels amazing. It's, it's, it's hardly, I don't know how to, how to say it, but we hardly see some snow this side. While Johannesburg often experiences a few months of the winter chills, a significant snowfall of this magnitude is rare. For children, it was their first time to see snow. For others, like the delivery driver, his motorbike could not start, forcing him to improvise a practical solution. It's kind of, it's caught like the cold, and I can't start it like, because the bike is not that in good shape. So I'm trying to warm the engine so that it can start like easily, otherwise I'll kick the bike all day. <laughs> the weatherman has warned this could lead to the potential closure of roads and intense chilly weather arising out of what is referred to as a cut-off law. That was Joey Kiruki Juma reporting. More on the continent, Ethiopia has hosted an East African regional summit to discuss the conflict in Sudan. The East African Intergovernmental Authority on Development brought together leaders from Kenya, Djibouti, South Sudan and Ethiopia. The countries have urged rival sides in Sudan to end the fighting and allow humanitarian corridors to open. Jerem Chala reports from Addis Ababa. Leaders from the region attending the IGAD Heads of State and Government Summit in Addis Ababa have expressed their concern over the fighting in Sudan that has killed over 3,000 people and displaced almost 3 million people. The humanitarian crisis there is worsening every day. 
The chair of the Quartet Mediation Team, Kenyan President William Ruto, said there was an urgent need for an immediate cessation of facilities and access to humanitarian services in the conflict-hit northern African nation. The IGAD mediation effort under the stewardship of Ethiopia, Kenya, Djibouti and South Sudan still face multiple challenges. One of them is the Sudanese military chief Abdel Fattah al-Burhan's rejection of Kenya's chairmanship of the mediation group. Many are deeply concerned by the escalation of the conflict in Sudan now, perhaps more than any other time due to the repeated violation of the various ceasefire agreements and more importantly because of the spread of violence outside of Khartoum threatening to deepen the polarization in the country. That was Jerem Chala in Addis Ababa. Still on the same story, Egypt is set to host a summit of Sudan's neighbors on Thursday to discuss ways to end the conflict in the country. Meantime, Sudan's health ministry has posted a video of what it says are the 22 victims killed in an airstrike in Omdurman city on Saturday. Separately, the army said its special forces killed 20 soldiers of the rival RSF paramilitary group, but it's not clear if the two incidents are related. Naba Mohidin reports. There is still conflicting news, but eyewitnesses are confirming the RSF uh, uh, attacking people on the ground and in their houses and accusing the Sudanese military. The Sudanese military denied this attack and said there, there was no airstrike attack in Omdurman and uh, accused RSF. Uh, so there is escalation followed these conflicting news and Omdurman is still uh, witnessing fierce clashes between the two militaries, between the uh, paramilitary rabbit support forces and Sudanese uh, military uh, after the airstrike news. There is a lot of indicators that all the clashes in Sudan and Khartoum and therefore shall morph into a wider civil war and extended uh, and prolonged uh, conflict, uh, not only in Sudan but shall also uh, impact the whole region. So yes, uh, the UN warning is correct and we are feeling uh, the danger of the civil war. We are seeing the calls for uh, tribal conflicts and the calls for uh, tribalism. So yes, definitely Sudan is on the brinks of a real collapse and uh, an extended civil war. But also there is hope and it's not too late to listen to the voice of wisdom and to sit on negotiation table. Right now the Sudanese uh, authorities sent uh, a delegation to Ethiopia uh, to meet uh, the rival, the rabbit support forces, but unfortunately they are still objecting Kenya to be uh, president of uh, the IGAD. That was Naba Mohidin reporting from Sudan. In Asia, Solomon Islands Prime Minister Manasseh Sagawari has officially opened his country's embassy in Beijing. The inauguration came a day after the two countries announced the establishment of a comprehensive strategic partnership following a meeting between the Prime Minister and Chinese President Xi Jinping. Lu Sirei reports. The Solomon Islands has opened its embassy in China on Tuesday, four years after established diplomatic ties with China. Senior Chinese diplomat Wang Yi and uh, Solomon Prime Minister Manasa Sagavar attended the ceremony in Beijing. Sagavar said the opening of the embassy in China marks a stronger ties between the two countries. 
The Pacific Island nation severed ties with Taiwan in 2019 in favor of establishing diplomatic ties with Beijing. And this, on the same year, Sagavar visited the Chinese capital and joined the country's Belt and Road Initiative. Four years later, the Solomon Islands Prime Minister is visiting China again and hoping to build stronger ties. And on Monday, Chinese President Xi Jinping has met with Sagavar, and both of them agreed to develop a comprehensive strategic partnership between the two countries. And it's also expected that education and medical industry would be focused in the following people-to-people exchanges. That was Lu Siray reporting from Beijing. Before we go, here's a recap of the top stories. NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg says Turkey has agreed to support Sweden's bid to join the alliance. The World Meteorological Organization says the beginning of July was the hottest week on record for the planet. And Ethiopia has hosted an East African Regional Summit to discuss the conflict in Sudan. And that concludes this edition of The Top Story, a podcast that brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports and culture, you can subscribe to The Beijing Hour, a one-hour podcast news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Tian Yu. Thank you for listening.